Hey, this is Scotty Vermeen from Daniel Boone Baptist Church in Gate City, Virginia. I'm the interim pastor and would like to invite you to worship with us at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. We also have Bible study at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Check us out on Facebook at Daniel Boone Baptist Church where you will find weekly sermons and daily interaction to keep you in touch with the Lord and to keep you in touch with His kingdom. I got a few preachers and pastors and teachers I like to listen to online. And uh, Dave's got some too, he and I've talked, and we have some of the same ones, but we have some that are a little different. Some I don't like to listen to, and some I like to listen to. And and uh, it's been a few months ago, but we were both listening to, to one in particular. And some of the things that that person was saying, we're not sure if we agreed with it or not. You know what I mean? Just kind of uh, wasn't certain. And uh, the more we thought about it, I talked to Pastor Barnes, he was our pastor at that time, about that. Because some of the things that I was hearing, I really I really liked and it was feeding my soul, you know. But that one thing was, was just a little bit out. And he said something to me that kind of changed how I interpret stuff. He said, eat the meat and spit out the bones, you know. Eat the meat and spit out the bones. And so I say that to you like I, I'm, I'm not so... Uh, Foolish to think that some of the things that I say might not exactly fit um, what you necessarily believe or have, have have grown up to believe. Does that make sense to you, what I'm saying? And so some things that, that I interpret and I give to you, if you don't necessarily agree with it, that is completely good. That's what makes, that's what makes us unique. And so I would say it to you like this, like go to the Word and let God give you His perfect interpretation of whatever it is that we're talking about because mine is imperfect you're getting secondhand knowledge from me don't believe me or trust me trust the word of god does that make sense to you i just want to tell you that this morning so that if i ever say anything and i'm going to just gonna go ahead and tell you i'm going to say things that aren't exactly right okay they're 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 kind of where i'm at in my season of life and in a few years i might change my mind and come back to you and say hmm that wasn't exactly right and so you guys, anytime you hear something like that from anybody, whether it's me, whether it's uh, Billy Graham, Charles Stanley, you want to go to the Word and search it out yourself and see what God might say about that. Eat the meat and spit out the bones. Colossians 4, 6. Colossians 4, 6. We're going to pray in just a second. But let your conversation, we're going to stop for just a second. Conversation. Like, I can arrange a conversation with my kids. Come and sit down. We're going to talk. That kind of conversation. Uh, I can do that at school with my current job. But for the most part, my experience, and this may not be yours, my, my experience with meaningful moments in conversation, whether it's my children or my players, and those are the people that God has really called me, has called me to up until this point. Now, obviously, my wife, if I don't say her name, it's because we're partners. That's biblical. We're one in Christ, and so she's my helpmate, you see. But any conversation or any meaningful moment for me personally that I've gotten to in the past 20-some years or whatever has been in a conversation. And so the Bible says to let your conversation be always full of grace. I'm going to find grace for you in a few minutes. Because let's face it, in parenting, and last week we talked about it a little bit, we're going to talk about it some more today, whether it's parenting or grandparenting, the enemy got after me, not after me, but he tried to 
He's try, he's tried to mute me for a couple of days. Just I'm just gonna be honest with you. But yesterday he tried to mute me and say like you know the people you're preaching to don't all have kids. And then my neighbor came driving by my house with a two-year-old boy hanging out the window. And I said, hey. And she said she stopped the car and she had the little boy wave. And and I said, who is that? And she said, it's my, it's one of my relative's children. We're, we're having to keep him for a while, okay? And that was God's way of reminding me that I'm speaking the right stuff today, okay? So that's how God moves and that's how, that's how he works. And so this word is for everyone. It's a continuation of last week's word. I think about a conversation. I'm, I've been in many of those. Let it always be full of grace. If, we, if we're constantly <clears throat> in our conversations with, with those that God has called us to feed, if we're constantly pointing out fault, we're going to put up a wall. Now I'm going to talk to you about that a little bit today. It says that our conversation should always be full of grace. Do you know what grace is? It's unmerited favor. It's that thing that, that I receive from God that I do not deserve. And so when I'm speaking with people, when you're speaking with people, we ought to be speaking with grace, full of grace, seasoned with salt. Now, what would happen if, if it was all salt and just a little grace? You ever had something that was too salty? Yeah, it's hard to digest, isn't it? It's the same thing when we're speaking to those that God's called us to feed. It says to just season it with salt, just a little sprinkle. Salt is that thing that you came to get in conversation with them about. They messed up. Full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. God, thank you for these people. I pray you'd speak and dismiss me in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace is that thing that, that I just told you is unmerited favor. It's like God's favor toward the unworthy receiving what we do not deserve that's grace it says our conversation should be full of grace and so to continue last week's the me i sees the me i'll be i kind of titled this one help me see me and i'm speaking from a child or someone who is a that you are mentoring someone you're speaking life to help them to see who they are help me be me you know i I know I should do right and act right and serve the Lord and all that, but what does that look like? And God's called to each one of us some people. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today, but help me see me. Solomon, King Solomon wrote Proverbs. And the more I research that man, he is a complicated individual. But the Bible has some specific things to say about him that I really want to pick out and throw your way today. Solomon is the son of of King David. His mother is Bathsheba. And later on in, in the word of God, when it refers to Bathsheba, do you know what it says? Uriah's wife. Now go back and research that if you don't know the story. But God identifies Bathsheba in his word as Uriah's wife, just as a reminder. A couple things. One, that David, a man after God's own heart, was an imperfect man. He had problems. He had sin. He messed up big time. He messed up big time. Now, for most of us with our kids and those that we influence, when they mess up, they know it. And so when you approach and you confront it, they already know it. Make sure your conversation's full of grace and seasoned with salt. But King Solomon got this stuff. It says Proverbs. Proverbs is the book of wisdom, isn't it not? And book of understanding. It comes from Solomon. And where did he get this stuff from? 
Like, have you ever ran into somebody and you're like, where did they get this kind of skill and talent and and wisdom? You know, a young man with wisdom, you know, or, or an old man with wisdom. But you start thinking, where did they get this stuff? And and when I was talking, when I'm thinking about Solomon, he got it from his parents, King David and Bathsheba. And and when I think about uh, parents, like in the society that we're in, and it's always been this way, and it's going to continue to be this way. It's not always your mother and your father that is your primary influencer, but it it probably could be or should be, okay? And so apply it to your life and to the children that God's given to you. But it's very difficult to see yourself, if you're King Solomon, without some help. And he had some help, and I'm going to show it to you today. It's in the Word of God. He had help from King David, and he had help from Bathsheba, his father and his mother. See, ultimately what King David and Bathsheba did, and I know they did this because Proverbs speaks of it, is they found that thing that King Solomon, who wasn't king yet, but they found that thing that their son Solomon was gifted in. They found his calling, and they helped him to grow it. And I I would say it like this. Find it and feed it. Find it and feed it. Find it and feed it. So many times, and I'm going to talk about that today uh, in a few minutes, but so many times we find stuff in our kids' Let me say this again. We find stuff in our life that we would like to see in our children. And what we do is we feed them our food. We do it. We do it. And even as grandparents, we do it. You know, I ran into somebody yesterday and all they could talk about was their youngest, you know. And I get that. You know, I get that because that's me too. All I can talk about is my youngest. But find whatever it is, that unique God-given craving of their soul. We've got some sheep and we let them out in the yard from time to time. Well, twice a day. And they like to eat burberries. Did y'all know that? And briars and rose bushes. You know, they don't always they don't like to eat lilies, but they'll eat our monkey grass. Like there's certain things that that we eat that God created us to eat and to to crave. And you know, buzzards like what? You know, yeah, roadkill. You know, buzzards like is one of them things that God created to clean up the dead dead carcasses. And think about flies and how that works. I ain't trying to gross you out, but Leanne was telling me the other day, she said, isn't it interesting how God created every piece of creation for a purpose? Every piece of it. And so it would be silly and foolish to think that he created your child to wonder. You hear what I'm saying? Like he created each person with a purpose. And I'm telling you, it's, it's awesome when you find it. And we could raise our hands, those of us who have found our purpose. And we walk in our purpose. And it changes, but it's that God-given thing that we crave. But we as influencers too often feed the right desire in a child. We see something, but we feed, feed it the wrong food. We feed them our food. You know what I mean? I can't make those sheep eat lamb chops. <laughs> it would be kind of, you know, it wouldn't be good, would it? You see what I mean? And so we have to be very aware when we're influencing other people not to put something on them that they can't carry. You hear what I'm saying? It's important for your children. We must find it and feed it. I'm going to talk about that for a second. A hungry soul, and we're going to see this in Proverbs 27, straight out of the mouth of Solomon, verse 7, but a hungry soul will consume, period. It will consume. We're going to read that in a few minutes. A hungry soul will consume. So we must be very vigilant and very 
observative as to what things those that we influence those things that they crave okay it's important that we help them find it we got to help them find it but i'm gonna say this to you this can be a problem because if your soul's thirsty it's going to be very difficult for you to feed them and i think that is the major problem in america today i think we've chased everything in the world and we have forsaken the lord if your soul's thirsty and starving you're going to have a hard time pouring out into them what you don't have to pour out that's why you need to be fed that's why sunday god knew what he was doing on the seventh day when he said this day is going to be a day of rest I'm not going to create anything on this day. I'm going to rest from my previous six days. God knew what he was doing because I'm going to tell you something. Those of you who have done 30 and 40 days in a row of working, you start to become delirious. And now you do that for 30 years. You're not pouring into anybody. You're surviving. You hear what I'm saying? God knew what he was doing. You have to feed yourself. What you're doing today, I say it all the time, but I mean it. This is the most important part of your week. And the moment that this guy stops giving you word of God, you need to kick me out them doors because that's the most important part of your being is the word of God. You hear me? And so you've got to feed yourself. You've got to help them find theirs. And what, am I, what do I mean by find it? Here's exactly what I mean. I hope, I hope you get this the way it, it came to me. Number one, you've got to help them find their gift. Now, that can be complicated if you think that a gift is only like something you would find like, you know, preaching, teaching, uh, blah, blah, blah in the Bible. You know what I mean? When they talk about the gifts of the Spirit. That's not what necessarily I'm talking about. But certain people have giftings. And I don't need to figure those out. You, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some people are good at helping. Some people are good at compassion. Some people are good at children. Some people are good at uh, senior citizens really caring for those and usually folks that are really good in, with children are really good with senior citizens I've seen that come hand, hand in hand there's other people that are really good with diagrams that are really good with building some people couldn't use a screwdriver and a hammer if you if you taught them how for two years they just couldn't that's not their gifting help them find their gift and then second help help them find the craving that God's given them because we all have one see when kids become teenagers they start they start venturing out in the world and the enemy knows exactly what he's doing. He tries to feed that stuff, uh, feed that hole with stuff that's not healthy, okay? And I don't need to go into that. You know what I'm talking about. You got to help find the craving that God gave them. You know, when Sophie was little, I used to paint her fingernails. You remember that? Wasn't that fun? And then I would let her paint mine. <laughs> don't, think, don't think too much of me now. But at the same time, now she does hair. You know, I never hunted, but Drew liked to hunt. And that scudder, the first time we went turkey hunting, it was actually the second time. The first time we went, we called in geese. That's how bad we were. And my liners, it's the truth. We called in geese. They flew over and looked at us and laughed. And then the second time we went, the same spot, we called in the biggest turkey probably he's ever shot at. I think he either hit it with a twenty-two or missed it. I don't know, but tears started rolling down his eyes. He wasn't but 10 years old. And, and I knew right then that he really cared about what he was doing. And so it's not hunting and it's not fingernails and hair that I'm talking about. 
It's finding that thing that makes them feel good and that is not contrary to God's word, but it's a piece and a part of the kingdom of God. Does that make sense to you? That's what we're supposed to be trying to help our children do. In education, it's the same thing. And then this last one might be the most important. It might be the place that you have the most power is we need to help them find the place that God's called them. I get aggravated when I hear people, when their children come and say, I think I'd like to be a teacher. And I hear people say, why in the world would you want to do that? Or I want you to do something that's, you know, a little bit more, uh, pays a little more. Or that's a little bit more, I don't know, higher prestige or honored. You know, if God puts that in somebody, a child knows it pretty early. You can kind of sense it when you're young. Like I knew basketball, and I know it's just a ball, and I know it's just whatever, but I knew that basketball, and I didn't know that I knew it. I just couldn't help it. I carried it around when I was in elementary school. And my music teacher would get mad at me because I would forget my harmonica, and I would bring my basketball, and I'd have to go back to the classroom and get my, it's not a harmonica. What's it called? It was about that long. Every kid had them. What? There you go. Whatever. I can barely play a radio. She got mad at me one time. This is a true story. And I told you I don't I tell only truth up here. But she got mad at me one time and she made me put my ball down and she took me out in the hall and she had a conversation with me. She said, That ball is never going to get you anywhere in life. That's what she said. I'm telling you God's own truth. But but if you learn something like learning to play the there you go. Hey, that stuck with me. And those were just a few words from a music teacher. But those types of things can start a fire. And you know what the enemy means for harm, and she wasn't the enemy, but, but the enemy tries to get our kids off track. But what the enemy means for harm, sometimes, you know, the Bible says that, that God can use for good. And so that stuck in me because I have a little bit about me, and so do you. You know what I mean? And so you got to help them find it. And then I'm going to say that the gift will fill the craving as they move into the place that God's called them. And if you can get them in, in that place right there and help them get to that place, you've done, I ain't going to say your job because it never ends, does it, grandmothers and grandfathers? It never ends. But you're well on your way to helping them find their purpose. But you have to have a place for God to cultivate and grow you, don't you? you got to have a place. we all got a place. You know, I think about my role, what I'm in right now. I think it's the most important role that there is in this world. And I think that you probably feel the same way about your role, don't you? If you don't, you should, because your role's the most important role that there is in this world, your role. Be who God's called you to be and help them find who God's called them to be. You've got to feel that craving in the place that God calls you. And that is... Proverbs 27, 8, which we're going to read together in just a minute. But I believe this is true. As you start trying to help others feel, their, feel that God-given craving, I believe this is true. It is almost, and I probably should have put almost impossible, but it's impossible to be strong in public if you're not strong in private. The hardest times that I had in coaching or in parenting are the times where I had messed up royally and they knew it, and I still had to try to parent and coach. I eventually come to a spot where I'm like, okay, everybody around, come here. Let's go. Come here a minute. I messed up. I apologize. Do you accept my apology? Everybody accepts it usually, and you move on. 
but it's very difficult to be strong in public and we're, we're all public figures in some way, form, or fashion if you're not strong in private. You have to feed yourself in private. First Chronicles 22, uh, verses 6 and 7. I'm going to go from verse 6 through 13. It's in your bulletin. But this is, this is a, a record of King David okay, speaking to his son. Now, here's the conversation that they had. And I want you to see how it wasn't what he said. There's a message in here. And every message I give you has got words to it. I want you to hear the implied message that's here. It's like when Abraham took Isaac up on the mount that God showed him. Do y'all remember that story? When he took Isaac up on the mountain, what did he put on Isaac's back? Does anybody remember? Wood. Isaac carried the wood that, that he was going to be laid on and sacrificed. And we know the end of the story. But that tells me Isaac was old enough to carry wood. He wasn't a baby. He's probably 10 like Drew and me going turkey hunting. And so he's got wood on his back and he follows his dad. And I think at some point in time when he's getting strapped to that wood, most sensible folk would think, why did that child not run? You know, why did that child not say, what are you doing, Dad? This doesn't feel right. I'm going to tell you why. It's the same reason David speaks words to Solomon, because they had done it before. And Isaac had spent enough time with his daddy that he knew his daddy's heart. You hear what I'm saying? Now, whether that's a mother, father, grandmother, grandfather, or it could be a coach to a player, we have got to be vulnerable enough and spend some time, and that's where we're going today. we got to spend some time with those that we influence so we can have these conversations. It says, then he called, this is King David, then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house, a temple, to the name of the Lord my God. Some translations say temple. But the word of the Lord came to me saying this, you have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name because you've shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you, God speaking to David, who shall be a man of rest and I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon for I will give him peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house, a temple for my name. I told you last week, isn't it neat how Solomon wrote Proverbs and Proverbs speaks to the soul because it's the book of wisdom and understanding and our soul, our heart, our, our minds, our bodies are, is the temple of God. I think it's neat how he says, you shall build a temple. That's pretty cool, isn't it? For my name and he shall be my son and I will be his father and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, may the Lord be with you. This is David speaking to Solomon. May the Lord be with you. And may you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God as he has said to you. He's speaking what he has seen in his son. And he's gotten revelation. Last week we, we called it prophecy. You remember that? I showed you the picture of Braxton. When God gives you prophecy or revelation of your children, you need to speak it to them. Don't hold it. Leanne used to give me stuff about Drew and Sophie all the time. That's a mama. Mamas, I believe, have a better, a better sense of, of 
revelation from God on their kids. Just my opinion. But it says, Now, my son, may the Lord be with you. May you prosper and build the house of the Lord your God as he has said to you. I like this part. It says, Only may the Lord give you what? Somebody say it. Wisdom and understanding. What is the book of Proverbs? The book of what? Isn't it crazy that David spoke over Solomon the book of Proverbs? It's the truth. Right there it is. That makes hair stand up on my arms. Because I believe that our words have power of life and of death. Be careful what you say. Only may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning Israel that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then, what's it say? You will prosper if you take care to fulfill the statutes and judgments with which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel. Do y'all remember when Moses died and Joshua took over? What, what, what did God say to him? The angel of the Lord? Be strong and courageous. Obey all of the commandments and then you will... Pro Does this echo God's Word? Our words to our children should echo what is in this book. And if we're not diving deep into the things of God, we can't echo anything to our kids. We're going to echo what the world's been echoing to us for years. The conditions that we've been grown up in or raised in. I love what it says. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Isn't that awesome? That was David's father speaking those things over him. Proverbs 31 is the book that we most, most often think of as what? Ladies? A virtuous wife. So when we when we read Proverbs 31, there's Proverbs 31 ministries. Y'all ever heard of that? Yeah. But verses 1 through 9 is Solomon recalling what his mother Bathsheba spoke to him. Go back and read verses 1 through 7. It talks about staying away from the uh, things that... that tempt and uh, capture kings. And it talks about strong drink. But then he, she gets to a place and he recalls this, that his mother told him this, said, son, open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. These were words from a mother to a son. And if I said recall some of the words that your mothers have given over you, you all y'all would have something to say, you know. So I'm going to say this to you. Solomon proves that he was listening. I don't think Solomon was a perfect child. Matter of fact, the more I read about him, I think he was complicated. Just like our kids. But I would say this to you. They are listening, so keep pouring. You know, the moment you get resistance, and here's what here's what will happen if you ain't in the church of God and you ain't learning of God. The moment you get resistance, you'll stop. Because you don't want your kid, you don't want them to have hurt feelings and have that, you know, relationship where they won't listen to you. Listen, the Bible's very clear. Let your conversations be full of grace and seasoned with salt. So if you're gracious and loving, they know, they know you love them. Just like a coach to a player, a father to a son. They'll test you to see if you'll stick to your word. So stick to your word. But I'm going to say it this way. Be careful what you use as a pawn, a threat. I see it all the time and you do too. I hear parents in supermarkets, in restaurants, at school make idle threats to their children, and their children are only this big. 
but they make idle threats. If you don't sit down and stop talking, I'm going to take away that phone that you're already playing video games on. And it never happens. It's an idle threat. So what they're learning to do, they're learning to ignore your manipulation. So manipulation ain't going to work. You hear what I'm saying? So be careful what you use as a pawn. The wrong weapon will cause more damage. If you, if you teach your child not to respect your word, and your, your word's important, so keep your word, then you're using maybe one of the biggest weapons that God gave you to help influence your child. And so be careful about that. But they are listening, so keep speaking truth. This is important. You cannot lead through manipulation and intimidation and, and expect to have long-term impact and significance. It's impossible. You'll get short-term results. Like I can make my children, I can make my team, I can make my employees, I can make my friends, I can make my wife, I can make people who are accountable to me or I'm accountable to. I can make some things happen in the short term. But eventually, eventually, and y'all know I'm telling the truth, eventually you put up a wall. You can't, manipulation and intimidation. I told you in coaching, I used to think fear was a great motivator. And Doug Humphreys told me one time, he said it is. But love and patience are better motivators. That changed my coaching. It really did. Proverbs 27, 3 and 4 from the mouth of Solomon again. As we are leading and teaching our children. Fathers, how many of you all have gotten so mad at your kids before that you could have well, you know, yeah, all of us, hadn't we? If, if, if you got anything about you and it matters to you, but let me say this, anger, let me talk to you about anger and wrath. Solomon says, and he is a man of wisdom and understanding that he learns from his father and his mother and other people, I'm certain, says a stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy. I think it's neat that he threw that in there as well. 5 and 6 says, Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. y'all interpret that verse? Do y'all understand that verse? Open rebuke. And I don't mean I need to call you out for something. That's not what I'm talking about. But Dave's my friend. And if I see something that's going to lead to a major problem in a few years or in a few months or tomorrow, I need to be able to close the door and have some open rebuke time with him. Okay, it says open rebuke, and same for me. I'm I'm not above it. Matter of fact, I need it more than you all do. And let me just say it this way: leaders need it more than their followers, because they're responsible for leading people with their words and their actions. It says open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. And then faithful. I love this verse: faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. There are people in my life, when I'm sitting right back there, that can say anything they want to. It might hurt me, and it, it might cut me deep, but I trust what she's saying to me. There's a few people like that in my life. Not a whole lot. I'm just, just be honest. Not a whole lot. And same is true for you. If you let a whole lot of people speak to your life like that, you'll be miserable. Be careful who you trust. Now, I'm not telling you not to trust. I'm just saying be careful who you let in your circle. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Proverbs 27, 7 and 8, and I've already spoke about it, but I want to hit them, hit them again. It says, a satisfied soul, when you help your child or the person you're influencing find that thing that God created them to do, they will have a satisfied soul. And it says in verse 7 that a satisfied soul 
don't even want the honeycomb. Loathes the honeycomb. They're satisfied, fully satisfied. But to a hungry soul, here's what I said earlier. Everybody's got a hungry soul. Everybody. To a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. That is where addiction comes from. Right there. You're feeling something that God intended to be filled with something else. And it may not even be your fault. You may have went there to escape an issue. I get that. We all done it. A hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. In verse 8, I love this verse. Like a bird that wanders from its nest. And we think of a nest as being that safe place where we're fed by our mama, right? Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. Where did I say we need to help our kids find earlier? Their place. Their place. And when you find it, unless God calls you away from it, stay there. I did a sermon about a year and a half ago, and it was stay put. You remember that one? Stay put. Unless God's moving you, stay put. See, here's the conversations that we usually have around the table, and I'm about finished. Here's the conversations we usually have around the table. And I'm going to say that these conversations are overrated. Ball. I'm a coach. Now, I'm asking about my, I'm a coach. I love ball. I love all that stuff. Money. What are you going to do when you grow up? Teach. There ain't much money in that. Find something else. Burst, burst in that bubble that God might have created right there. You see what I mean? Fitting in. Don't you want some new clothes? Or, Mommy, I want some clothes with the holes in them. You know, when most of you grew up, that was a sign of you needed new ones, right? Fitting in. We talk about the world system and how the world works around the table too often. I don't know why we do that. Turn CNN off. Turn Fox News off. Turn Newsmax off. Turn all of them off. Do it for about two or three months. Go, go ahead and fast and try it and see how much more free your mind's going to be. It's a 24-hour news cycle. There's no possible way that we can feel compassion for this world on a 24-hour news cycle. I, can't, I don't have that much in me to do. I don't. We talk about what everybody thinks about us, don't we? Listen to your conversations. We talk about fame and fortune. We talk about our self-interest, which is part of our gifting maybe in that deep place. But here's some underrated, underemphasized conversations that we ought to have around the dinner table. And this word speaks to every one of these. How to be a good husband and a good wife. Not necessarily how to be a good husband and a good wife, but how to survive. You know, how to make it. What's that look like? Father, brother sister what your part of the body is when i say the body i'm talking about the church what's your role let's talk about what where god's got you right now we don't talk about truth enough and instead of i'm just encouraging you here instead of talking about what the world thinks of me we ought to be talking about how god feels about me how does god feel about you right now so if you come home so here's what we do we feed our kids stuff and we don't mean to we talk people down because we have a low self-image so we can raise ourselves up by talking them down and they learn how to do that. They learn stuff from us. We're feeding them the wrong food where what they really need is an increased self-image that can only come from God 
by, by, by becoming and deciding and finding who God has created them to be. Now, that's a complex topic. I can't give you all that in 30 minutes. But somehow we as influencers, teachers, parents, principals, coaches, grandparents, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts, all that, preachers, somehow we've got to help those people, those children, those that we influence, find what it is that God's called them to, and then we need to feed it. Here's what love looks like, and you can only, love's the most powerful tool in the world, and it, it looks like this. It's speaking the truth always, giving grace. Grace is unmerited favor. It's that thing that we don't deserve. And then love is spelled T-I-M-E. You ever heard that? It's so true. Don't tell me you love me, but show me. Take me fishing. You know what I mean? My brother, Larry, used to <clears throat> come check me out of school. I'm glad Mom's not here today. I'm going to tell a story, but. He'd check me out of school in seventh grade and, and then bring me back at about three o'clock. We'd go fishing all day. <laughs> yeah. She still don't know that. Maybe. Yeah. And then my brother Dietzie would take me and play ball. We'd play ball Sunday. I did that for numerous years. And those are just little things. T-I-M-E. That's how you spell love. Don't tell me, but show me. It's in the doing that those precious moments that I'm talking about are born. You can't, you can't be gone all the time. You know, it's like a coach. And let's just be honest. Leanne will tell you, how much time did I spend in coaching? A bunch. So I didn't golf. I didn't do anything else. I was, I was, I think you can do three things well. I told you that before. So my job and then my, my family and then coaching. So that, that's where I spent the majority of my time. But you have to spend time in something if you want to see results. Where you spend the most time and energy is where you'll see the most fruit. You hear what I'm saying? I believe this. The way you do anything is the way that you do everything. Now, I say that. I don't always live that. But I believe it's true. Who you are and who you're becoming is more important than what you say. And so I got two questions for you, and then we're going to pray. Do you have some margin built into your schedule for them? And you may ask me, who are, who are them? I don't know who your them is. My them has changed a little bit. But I still got some of the same them. And your them changes over time too. You have some margin, some built-in time where I think, like if I wanted to, if I called Jeff DeBoard or Andy Barnes right now, I'm close enough to them, I think they would, unless they were in a, in a situation where they were tied up, I think they would drop what they're doing and come see me. I really do. I think they have that built into their, their schedule. Do you have some margin built into yours? Or is your life dominated by, by your own search for purpose and fulfillment? I think that's empty. Would anybody agree with me? Like searching for your own to feed yourself all the time, I just think it's empty. That's my opinion. So is your life dominated by your own search for whatever it is that you're looking for? And then the second question is this, where do you need to trim some fat off to create some time so that those precious moments can be born? Isn't that a good question? And so that's my challenge to you today. Bow your heads with me and we'll be finished. Raise your hand if, if you'd like for me to pray that God would, would help you trim some fat. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, you have given this group of people children. They're downstairs, Lord. God, some of them aren't here today. 
And God, some, some of us you've given other folks to influence, whether it's children or teens or folks we work with, this church inside of these walls. Wow. God, you've given us a wonderful high calling to influence other people. God, more specifically, the next generation. And God, me personally, I'm tired of hearing about how uh, the next we're in trouble, that the next generation doesn't know how to work and doesn't know how to do this or do that or to think for themselves. Well, Lord, that's our responsibility to train them and to teach them. And so, God, I'm throwing that back to you. Help us. Help us to teach them. Help us to find it and help us to feed it. Lord, each person that raised their hand, I pray a special touch. And I pray you would show them this week, just like you showed me yesterday with a neighbor passing by. Show them your hand and your moving and your presence in their life by helping them to trim some fat this week and to spend a little bit more extra meaningful time with those that you've called them to. And God, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice that don't know you, I pray that today after service that they would come up here to me and that we'd have a conversation. And it's as simple as believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God sent him and that he died and that he rose again. If you confess that with your mouth, you shall be saved. As simple as that. So thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for these people. And thank you for the influence that we have in this community. We take that very serious and we present that to you now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.